This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. So the disciple Judas. He was a hand-picked disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a preacher of the gospel, a healer of the sick, a travelling companion of Jesus. He was so trusted, he was made treasurer. He wasn't selected to that position. It's more than probable that Jesus personally chose him to do the job. Now you might say that that remark is speculation, and, and it is. But what we do know about Judas is this. Jesus washed his feet in that upper room just like everyone else. Jesus let him dip his bread in his own cup. Jesus allowed him to take part of the celebration of the meal of bread and wine. Yet this was the very man who would betray Jesus Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas led the party of Jewish officers and guards to the garden where he identified Jesus with a kiss. After the kiss, Jesus looked at Judas, probably as he would do sometime later with Peter, making eye contact, and he said, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And I wonder what what went through Judas' mind as the scene unfolded. The mob rose up, waving swords and and clubs. Peter defended his master with a sword and cut off the servant's ear only to see yet another miracle performed by the Lord Jesus Christ as he repaired the damage that had been done. The scene is depicted as we've heard by the reading of Matthew which concluded with the words but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. So which scriptures do you think relate to this incident? Well, I would suggest that Jesus, as he does later, was referring to the Psalms of David. I'm going to start in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is littered with references to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Verse 12. It says, Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. (coughs) This Psalm 22 is a prophecy indeed, laid out in every detail of the actions of the Lord Jesus and his accusers from the betrayal of Judas all the way through to the agonizing death of Jesus on the cross some hours later. But the reference here to the bulls of Bashan encircling Jesus is once again not just the fulfilment of a prophecy in the actions of Judas and the mob but a link also to the very law of Moses that the religious leaders of the day supposedly held so dear and yet they were blind to its involvement just consider the scene we have the leaders of the day controlling or having agreed control of the actions of Judas in the betrayal of Jesus. So in effect Judas does not have a link to his 
master Jesus. No, he is carrying out the wishes of his true masters, which were the scribes and the Pharisees. Here Judas sees Jesus not as his master, but indeed as, as his servant, as his slave, someone who is there purely to enhance his position and add to his benefit. And Judas allows access to the bulls of Bashan so that it can confront or indeed gore fatally the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, on the other hand, as the scriptures again confirm, was to become that perfect sacrificial lamb, as John the Baptist says, to take away the sins of the world. He was in other scriptures shown as taking the sins of the world on his shoulders. He was indeed a slave to sin in order to conquer its power. Just go back to Exodus and consider what we have there. Exodus 21. <coughs> Exodus 21 and verse 28. If an ox goes a man or woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in times past, and it had been made known to his owner, and he has not kept it confined, so that it has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life, whatsoever is imposed on him. Whether it has gored a son, or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. Similar context, you might think, to the goring here of the Lord Jesus Christ by the bulls of Bashan, led by Judas. But as I said, Jesus is not depicted here as a son, is he? He's depicted as a servant. He's depicted as a slave. So verse 32. If the ox gores a male or female servant... He shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver. And the ox shall be stoned. 30 pieces of silver. The price paid to the owner, Judas, of the slave Jesus by the master Caiaphas, whose bulls brought Jesus to his death. And again, let's consider more scriptures. This time the New Testament, the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, chapter 17. John 17 records the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ given in Gethsemane before his betrayal. John 17, verse 12. Speaking of his disciples... Jesus prays, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have give, gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So in those agonizing hours, after Jesus had left the upper room to betray Jesus, and before he returned to a kiss, Jesus records this prayer. He prays for himself, verses 1 to 5. He prays for his disciples, 
verses 6 to 19 and finally he prays for all the believers to come down the ages anyone who seeks the gospel of salvation verses 20 to 26 and in verse 12 he is talking about the son of perdition he's talking about Judas he's talking about the one he says was not lost by him the inference being that he was never really one of the twelve in a true sense and again I think uh, David, uh, that Jesus is looking back to David in the Psalms in the fulfilment of these words just go back to Psalm 69 Psalm 69 and verse 1 David says save me O God for the waters have come up to my neck I sink in deep mire where there is no standing I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me I am weary with my crying my throat is dry my eyes fail while I wait for my God the psalmist David is praying that God will have mercy on him and save him from his enemies and he goes on to pray that his previous actions sinful actions may not put off others who wish to be faithful to their God that his sins for which he is now being punished may not be a barrier that others cannot overcome now Jesus a sinless man is not subject to personal remorse for his actions is he but he as the sin bearer the one who is soon to endure punishment for the sins of the world in context the prayer is still valid that punishment by the death of Jesus should not hinder his true followers in remaining faithful to their God and our reading again in Matthew we remember finished with the words then all the disciples forsook and fled so verse 7 of our psalm because for your sake I have borne reproach shame has covered my face I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me keep your finger in Psalm 69 and go to another psalm Psalm 109 this psalm again a psalm of, of David is a prayer for God to judge a case of false accusation Psalm 109 verse 1 David says do not keep silent O God of my praise for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me they have spoken against me with a lying tongue they have also surrounded me with words of hatred and forced against me without a cause in return for my love they are my accusers but I gave myself to prayer thus they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love this is again a situation that Jesus can relate to a sinless man carrying out the wishes of his father and yet he stands accused by the enemies of God and these are all references and sentiments that apply to Jesus at this time but what of Jesus? 
Well, it's Peter, actually, in the opening chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. As Peter is organising another, Matthias, to take his place within the Twelve, that Peter refers to Judas quoting these two psalms. Back to Psalm 69, verse 22. Let their table become a snare before them, and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see, and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. This is the reference. Let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents. The enemies of David and later Jesus sought to remove him from his true position. And the psalm, later supported by Peter in relation to Judas, seeks to have that judgment turn around and applied on their own head. Again, Psalm 109, verse 6. Set a wicked man over him and let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty. And let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few, and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. Let his children continually be vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also from their desolate places. Let the creditor seize all that he has, and let strangers plunder his labour. Let there be none to extend mercy to him, nor let there be any to favour his fatherless children. Let his posterity be cut off. And in the generation following, let their name be blotted out. Clearly, the words of Luke in chapter 22 sum up the sentiment relating to Judas when he says, Woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So clearly, we have historical scriptural references anticipating the actions to be taken by Judas at the conclusion of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a position that was known by Jesus himself. We've seen reference to the estrangement of Judas in the prayer of Jesus in John 17, referring to Judas as the son of perdition. The NIV renders this as the one doomed to destruction, the one within this sphere of rebellion against the things of God that will surely lead to death. It's a Judas type, if you like, that has been seen throughout Scripture where supposedly righteous men, but wolves in sheep's clothing, have been deceiving others to their true feelings. But they cannot escape the all-seeing eye of the one true God. And this Judas type will happen again. Paul tells us in Thessalonians, just look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no man deceive you by any means, 
for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God John in his first epistle talks of these people as antichrists many who claim to be followers of God but preach not the truth but a lie and the great antichrist the one that will confront the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he comes to establish the kingdom of God on earth is shown shown to us is it not in Revelation 13 there's no time to put flesh on the bones of that statement but the scriptures are clear the apostate Christian religion that is abroad in the world at the moment is the wolf in sheep's clothing the one who preaches Christ but ignores his every word and doctrine for their own gain and their own prominence they like the Pharisees have their reward in their current affluence in the adoration of the masses but their true Judas type qualities will dominate their actions and they will as David wrote in his Psalms be brought to destruction so then Jesus knew what was in the heart of, uh, of Judas let's look at John chapter 6 John chapter 6 the end of the chapter verse 70 Jesus answered them the disciples did I not choose you the twelve and one of you is a devil he spoke of Judas Iscariot the son of Simon for it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve a devil a diabolos not a fallen angel with with demonic powers but simply a false accuser someone who would betray Jesus to the authorities to falsely accuse him by false testimony of a judgment punishable by death that is why earlier in the chapter even though Judas was to follow the path of destruction that Jesus was able to say that none of his followers have been lost just look at verse 37 of John 6 all that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me this is the will of the Father who sent me that of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day all that God had given him even the disciples that were with him as we have in John 17 none were lost and this I feel confirms the status if you like of Judas it was a status that he chose he chose not to come within the fold he chose to remain separate to remain outside running his own course whilst following Jesus how do we know that well I think there are certain telltale signs that give us a clue just go to our reading in Matthew 26 <clears throat> before then we have Jesus celebrating the last supper he declares to the twelve that one of them is going to betray him they would obviously be shocked <coughs> And the response of the eleven is shown to us in verse 22. 
And they were exceeding sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, curios, meaning master. Master, is it I? They clearly saw Jesus as the boss, the one under whom they could learn of the things of God. Verse 25. Then Judas, who, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, you have said it. In the AV, it says master, doesn't it? Master, is it I? But not Lord and Master, not Curios, but Rabbi. So the New King James is correct. Teacher, he was saying, not Master, teacher. It's the same title that Judas uses at the betrayal in verse 49. So they immediately went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. It's a subtle yet important distinction. There is no recording in scripture of Judas ever using curios, master, in his discussions with Jesus. And I think this separation, this, this detachment of Judas is confirmed in some of, in, in some of the other words, and none more so than the response of Jesus to the kiss. Verse 50. Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? And they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Jesus calls Judas friend. It's only one of four references in scripture that relate to the Greek word heteros. Three times it's rendered friend in the AV and once fellows. In all occasions, the meaning is not one of intimacy that a true friend would have with another. It should more likely be translated comrade not intimate friend this is the recognition then of Jesus to the true position of Judas just go back to Matthew 11 we'll see another reference to it Matthew 11 and verse 16 but what shall I liken this generation it is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions, their friends, and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. As I said, the word companions there in verse 16 is the one to look at. In the AV, it is friend. So we have companions, we have comrades, just as Jesus was, sitting in the marketplace. They played, verse 17, the flute, and they didn't dance. This was the wedding of the bride and groom. This was the celebration of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they chose not to respond. Conversely, they mourned at the funeral. The gospel of repentance as preached by John, and they didn't sing to that tune either. These comrades, these Judases, had no inclination to respond to the gospel sent from God. The third occasion where this word is used is in Matthew chapter 20. It's in the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Matthew 20, verse 8. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the labourers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they received a denarius, a penny. 
But when they first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last man, men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and heat of the day. <coughs> but he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. Many are called, but few are chosen. Comrade, verse 13, I do you no wrong. They were given what was on offer, and what was on offer was eternal life. The same offer to all who come to work in the vineyard of God, but they wanted more. They wanted reward, they wanted tangible reward in hard cash. They were not true friends. They were not close, intimate friends with the same ideals and same hopes and same aspirations. They were simply comrades looking for reward and personal gain no commitment to the greater ideals and finally we have Matthew 22 in Matthew 22 we have the parable of the wedding feast verse 8 then he said to his servants the wedding is ready but those who were invited were not worthy therefore go into the highways and as many as you find invite to the wedding so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the, great, the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Friend, comrade, where's your wedding garment? This is Judas. He didn't have one. He'd already cast off the covering of Jesus, his, his rabbi teacher, not Lord and Master. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And he stood there, naked in his sins, without the covering of righteousness that comes with true friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Judas, a man who walked with Jesus but took his own path, a path that would lead him to destruction as the son of perdition. So the question I suppose we must ask ourselves is, is our life running the same parallel course having a knowledge of God but denying the power in the lives of the peoples of the earth do we have a form of godliness but only so that we may receive gain from its benefits not considering that there is an aim to the gospel that God will end this world as we know it and establish the kingdom of God on earth a kingdom whose peoples will truly be friends of the Lord Jesus Christ, having been given the same reward, eternal life, no matter how old they are or how long they have been committed to the Lord Jesus. A kingdom where everyone will be welcomed into the wedding feast, clothed with righteousness because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and their own commitment to follow 
his path. I'm going to finish with one final reference from Jesus. It's recorded in John 15. And see how his true friends, intimate friends, are included in the hope of the kingdom of God. John 15, verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, true friends, intimate friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.